The preparedness for working put him simultaneously in the right frame of mind for creating. That collectedness and presence of mind, the right frame of mind for the artist, is only reached when the preparing and the creating, the technical and the artistic, the material and the spiritual, the project and the object flow together without a break. Eugene Herrigel. Welcome to the Lost Traveler podcast. I am your ever-loving host, Henry Cameron Allen, and I'm very excited today to meet a new friend. He is from Austria, and he now lives in the UK. Uh, his name is Vinny Sturgeon, and he is a ukulele artist and inventor of the mindful ukulele method. And I know I'm saying it wrong. It's ukulele. Uh, but anyway, thank you for being here. I'm so excited to talk with you. Awesome. It's a, a pleasure to be here. <laughs> so so where in Austria did you originate from? Uh, I grew up in the Austrian mountains. So in, um, do you know, Innsbruck is in the west of the country. They had I some do. Olympic games there. Yeah. Uh, and that's why a lot of people know it. It's very picturesque and beautiful. Um mountains rivers it's is it's the same as in the sound of music which i never saw but everyone everyone what okay <laughs> if we ever meet in person we're gonna sit down and we're gonna watch that movie i i, yeah. I don't want to see it i think i want to no? keep it like this. it's uh the older i get the funnier it is that i haven't seen it because pe people always talk about it <laughs> oh that's true well so yeah and did so <laughs> <laughs> it's just your uh I, I can't imagine it's your life story but uh, <laughs> you didn't grow up in a convent did you no no i didn't okay, okay good, good. but but it's uh, like, I, I come from a, a little place it's like a small town um quite uh, uh protected and beautiful yeah. and um yeah so i had a lot of nature lots of spending time in the mountains um and that sort of vibe. Yeah, I in my early childhood, I lived in, well, just outside of Vienna. Uh, oh, really? Amazing. Yeah, a, a little suburb wine village called Grinzing. Ah, funny. <laughs> and I have very fond memories of Austria. And I remember going to that part of the country and just, it was, I, even as a child, I was just, you know, taken aback by how amazingly beautiful it is. And the yeah. people were all very kind. And um, I remember going to the salt mines. Uh, yes, yeah, there, yeah. Putting on a little fez and a little <laughs> clothing. Guess your dad used to be a diplomat, right? He was. He was a cultural diplomat. So it was, yeah. this was at a time before there was even a McDonald's outside the U.S. And so. What? I no, know there, there was a time, um, <laughs> but he worked for an agency that no longer exists. It's called, it was called the USIA, the U.S. Information okay. Agency, uh -huh. and it was kind of the propaganda wing of the U.S. government <laughs> in the 50s, 60s, 70s. And so it was his job uh, as a director to produce these huge expos of American culture, in quotes, or culture with a K. Mm -hmm. um, which is a lot of appropriated culture mm -hmm. to be yeah. fair and 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 they wrapped it up in a big shiny red white and blue ribbon and sold it back to the world as american and we did it better <laughs> than you did so buy it back from us you know your culture so it was uh you know it was a fascinating way to grow up um i got to see the world i got to really be immersed in other cultures, other languages. And, and uh, how long did you live in Austria then for? We were there, I believe, two years. Okay. Do, do you still remember any German? Nine. <laughs> no, I, that's about it. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I've tried over the years to reclaim some of it. I used to speak Russian as well. And uh -huh. I did hang on to my Portuguese and Spanish. So that's good for being where I am. Yeah. Yeah, know, right <laughs> near the border of Portugal in southern mm -hmm. Spain. So, um, but anyway, I I I loved growing up that way, and it I've always had an international 
uh, sensibility, circle of friends. Uh, I've kept in touch with friends from my from my childhood growing up in the international schools. And, yeah, that's um, cool Yeah, you know. So my my first thought when you were talking about describing it and remembering how beautiful that part of Austria is, what was your impulse to leave? What was that turning point moment that said, I got to get out of here? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a, a good question uh, for me i've always been a very curious spirit and uh, i always wanted to explore i was always interested in people making connections and where i grew up it's sort of uh, monoculture so there's not yeah. a lot of variety um and i, I was always looking for yeah, i want to explore more i want to get to uh, know more thought schools i was always interested in just things that were different and then at some point um i mean i went to from my little town i went to the bigger town uh, which is innsbruck and then in austria we have a military service which is still mandatory oh is and it i didn't yeah and i did an alternative to that so lots of people do some kind of social service working in a uh senior residents or something like that mm. and i went to work for human rights organizations in amsterdam and los angeles uh, in wow. amsterdam it was for a Euro pan-european peace network called united for intercultural action and i also went to uh, los angeles and worked for a holocaust museum there in the um the simon wiesenthal center it's like a big jewish institution and it has the museum of tolerance which is uh, wow big amazing place there where I was um, educating kids or talking uh, with kids about the power of words and uh, history and and from there like that kind of uh, opened my mind I was around 20 and I just um, enjoyed meeting many people from all walks of life then I went back to Austria and uh, I wanted to always study music. Uh, I always thought of Los Angeles. Oh, that's the place to be. But it was too crazy. Oh, man. <laughs> it's okay. it's a, a weird place. Yeah. I, I, it's like a, a lot of America. It's it's so amazing, but so crazy at the same time. It's a fascinating country. I think, yeah, it is. I mean, I didn't grow up there. So I, I don't feel, even though my passport is American, I don't feel uh -huh. American. And it's very funny in my the tiny village that I live in in Spain, only 700 people. So, you know, everybody. And they call me El Americano, you know. What <laughs> <laughs> here? Yeah. It's actually quite an international village. We have a guy from Austria. We have uh, oh, really? a lot of Brits. We have South Africa, Germany, um, South America, a lot of Brazilians here, Colombians, Bolivian, interesting, cool. uh, even a family from Thailand. So it's for being such a tiny remote place, you know, it, it's quite international, which makes me feel right at home. I never felt at home in America. Yeah, yeah. That's I felt like a fish out of water uh -huh. and until coming back to Europe uh, uh -huh. about five years ago. And uh -huh. I hadn't been back since 1973. I'm dating oh, myself, yeah. oh. you know, but I, I, it was a long time ago and, uh, and it felt like coming home. It was part of yeah, my, I, I understand what you say. I mean, for me, it's like when I, the older I get, the more I appreciate, um, uh, Austria again, because for me it was, okay, I need, I thought everything is shit and traditions are shit, but, yeah, uh, yeah. the later more, oh, no, <laughs> <laughs> I can't see any more later hosen. No. Um, uh, but, but then as you sort of see the, the value in it of, uh, communities and there's loads of very social things actually happening. I mean, it, it's a lot of this, uh, a lot of it is around uh, Catholic faith, which right. um, sometimes right. makes it a bit more uh what's the word uh, it's qu quite strict rules and there's a certain way how you live and if you live a different way it's uh no one can understand it yeah but um uh it's still uh, there are many good things in in small communities uh but then like when i went back uh, i got a place in london uh, on a university where i did my masters in music mm. and uh, then i just stayed there for the past uh, 15 years now 
and it's just London is like it's a big amazing place as um, I have many friends and through my work as a uh, musician as an educator I came into like I worked with people from all socioeconomic backgrounds and it's just uh, it's very uh, hard at times if you don't have a lot of work it's a hard place to live but yeah. uh, when everything works out it's uh, it's amazing and you can reinvent yourself uh, over and over again which is uh, which was I love a guy wire is a tensioned cable that is designed to enhance the stability of a freestanding structure. Think of me as your guy wire in terms of life skills mentoring. You're perfectly capable of standing stably on your own two feet, but I'm a cable that can enhance your stability. I'm available for individual or couples counseling, life skills mentorship, child loss grief support, LGBTQ plus support. I can also officiate weddings, end of life ceremonies, baby namings, invocations, or whatever guidance you may need. I serve all genders, all ages. Sessions are affordable, discreet, private, and conducted online. Find me at guy-wire.org. Book your appointment today. I love that too. It's, uh, we're kindred spirits in that sense. I, I really <laughs> like, you know, we, we get stuck in, in a, a stagnant place and we are not designed for that. We are not, you know, if we are designed, it is not about staying the same and and in my time uh, and I'm quite a bit older than you I think um in my time we had in schools we had guidance counselors and they would it was required to, mm -hmm. to make an appointment they would test you and they would tell you these are the things you must do in your life <laughs> be successful right you must be a pharmacist or you must be a farmer or you must be you know whatever and uh, I, I, to this day, I can't remember what they told me I should be. Yeah, what, what were you supposed to be? That's an interesting. I, I don't. I, I know. I don't remember. But um, you know, I remember family members uh, telling me that I should be a writer. Um, my father, who passed a couple of years ago from from COVID, um, he always used to say, "I don't care what you do; you could be a bricklayer." you know, which was, I guess, the lowest thing that you could think of. But, you know, as long as you make money and as long as you have a, a livelihood and, and are a good person, that's what he cares about. So I had good that. Advice. Yeah, I mean, I had that in one ear and I had, I had the rest of, you know, the shoulds in the other ear. But there was a really interesting turning point with my dad. And I want to talk about your parents, too, because, you know, they... Mm -hmm. Sometimes they inspire us in unexpected ways is what I found. And I remember that my dad and I, when I was 17, 18, we weren't particularly close at that time. I don't know many people who are with their parents because they're, you know, you're fighting within yourself. Who am I going to be? And don't tell me who I am because I know who I am. You don't know me. Um, and and he was driving me to university. We were back in the States at that time. And uh, and the question that was burning in me was, does the career path that one chooses affect who they become as an adult? And I turned yeah. to my father and I asked him, I said, Dad, do you like what you do? And what was he then? Oh, yeah, um, yeah, being a diplomat, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, he said, I loathe it. And I said, really? Well, that explained a lot to me about his character and his sort of, you know, inner angst. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, why do you do it if you hate it so much? And he said, well, son, that's the price you pay when you want your parents to be proud of you and you want to travel the world and have money in the bank and raise your family well. I said, oh, okay. 
I was thinking, wow, it, it takes selling your soul. Is that what you're telling me? And did he also tell you what he rather um, well, done? Well, that was, you know, the obvious progression in the conversation was what did you want to be when you were my age or younger? And he had forgotten. And what's interesting is that I remember him as much older in that vision, that memory of the conversation, but he was only in his early 40s at that time. Ah, that's fascinating. Yeah, I totally and, what I got to say, yeah. And he had forgotten. Mm -hmm. He was only in his early 40s and he had forgotten his dream. Yeah. And we drove along in silence for about 20 minutes and then big tears started streaming down his cheeks. I had never seen my father cry. And I said, I'm sorry if I said something wrong. Are you okay? He said, no, no, it's all right. I said, what, what is it? What's the problem? He said, well, I just remembered. I wanted to be a photojournalist for National Geographic. And in my mind, I thought, damn, you could have done that. And your parents would have been so proud of you and you would have traveled the world, had money in the bank. All the things that were a measure of success for him in his youth, he could have achieved had he followed that passion. And it, who knows, the passion might have changed later, but at least he would have. But I think the world looked very different in that time you know, in the 1940s and 50s. Oh, yes. It would have been the 50s. Mm -hmm. He was born in 1939. So, you know, so when you were growing up in your small village and growing up, I assume, Catholic, yeah, mm -hmm. um, which I'm sure, and we can delve into that too. <laughs> I think there's, you know, there is progressive Catholic and then there's, somewhat repressive Catholic oh, yes. <laughs> schools of Catholicism. Um, but but did you did you find uh, were you close with your family? Do you have siblings and did you did you find inspiration in your parents? What was what line of work were they in? Um your biography. Yeah. So my uh dad he was um uh he's still around he's he was a teacher in um um, teaching economics like in some uh, higher education and my mom was a stay-at-home mom and I mean my parents they separated quite uh, early when I was around 10 11 yeah. and I always remember I always was kind of a free spirit um, even from a very young age and I moved out when I was 15 just to do my own thing well I um, moved out when I was 13 <laughs> and my parents also split very early which was which is interesting i mean i can yeah i, I can relate yeah. yeah and um i mean i have um, i have a brother and a sister and music was always uh, surrounding us so i grew up in um playing clarinet in a local brass band like brass bands umpa dumpa bands is a yeah. big thing there and it's it's really nice it's like it's yeah. uh, lots yeah. of social occasions it's there's always something going on and um but like i said i was always kind of very free spirit from very early on and when my parents separated i had to just um I had to do my own thing. Um, some, yeah. So even even forced me. It was tough at the time. It was uh, like a first big trauma in my life. But now thinking back, it made me who I am. Like I have a very, mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm always uh, having ideas that I'm pursuing. I'm always I'm quite entrepreneurial in my spirits, and that sort of allowed me to always. Like um, in comparison to your dad, I never had to fulfill anyone's uh, dreams, expectations about what they had. I always made my own things up. Uh, and for that, I'm, I'm like, I'm very thankful. Like if I think about your dad, I mean, it's, and, and loads of people live that life. There's this, still, still this, is, do, yeah. this is what you got to do. Um, but only you yourself can, uh, uh, only yourself know that but it's hard so sometimes when i say that uh, i think okay I, I don't have all the answers i have no answers i have just my own answers that work for me but that doesn't necessarily mean it worked for someone else um yeah i forgot your question are you, are you close <laughs> was your mother a musician 
Uh, my mom was always making music, like not a professional musician, yeah. uh, but she was playing the sitter. You know that uh, um, it's a, like a, a stringed instrument with loads of strings, and you play it with your hands uh, down like this. Oh like yes, yeah, a, a zither. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like an auto harp, we call it as well. Ah, yeah. And there's uh, what is the famous tune from the Western? Um, it almost sounds like a harpsichord. Yes, it does. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. quite uh, hard plucks, but it's very beautiful. Um, beautiful. She was always playing that. And my brother, he's a drummer. My sister, uh, she plays the flute and the oboe. Uh, and I, I've always been like, then I started to play guitar. I started to uh, found my first bands uh, uh, when I was 10, 11. Mm -hmm. I was singing in choirs, playing in orchestras. I toured a lot. So I was earning my own money when I was um, 15, 16. I was playing in clubs where I wasn't allowed to be in as a bunter, but uh, we were the entertainment. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just a. And music was always a place of freedom for me, which is it's still today. It's a place where I could always go, it was always there. Yeah. Um, like a very protected, uh, sacred thing. Uh, and the older I get, the more uh, important it gets because it's always a place where I I can go with everything else going on. The world seems to be falling apart, but I still always can go there and create and yeah. be curious, explore, make stuff. Are you tired of feeling run down? Do you wish there was a natural, non-invasive, drug-free way to improve your overall health and well-being? If so, then let me introduce you to the Super Patch Company. Super Patches are a range of small neurotech patches that can help with a variety of issues, including sleep, immunity, pain mitigation, athletic performance, focus, anxiety, and stress. They're safe for everyone to use, and they're backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Order your super patches today. Now available in the EU, UK, Turkey, Canada, and the US. If you're ready to take control of your health, you can find out more online at dianedinkmeyer.superpatch.com. Super patches. There's a patch for that. Well, and music is frequency, and and yeah. we respond to that because we are frequency as well, right? That's beautiful. Way of saying our body, it. there's a vibration there, and and art, art, I think, is the bridge to not only our humanity, but it's also the bridge to begin to understand the workings of everything we don't see around us right and yeah, uh, exactly. unknown universe I, i've been delving into the quantum theories lately uh around you know different topics and and as a musician as a professional uh what 20 plus years right mm -hmm. having traveled the world having touched different people different instruments and different cultures and all of that do you find that there is a sort of a, a, a deeper meaning that your average person who has not had those experiences is able to tap into? Or is that harder? You mean by, by doing music or by being a creative? Um, I think we are all, all human beings are inherently creative. Yeah, true. Mm -hmm. But you can lead a horse to water. And, and once you hear something often enough, uh, you know, the whole educational system was designed to get children away from that and into, well, in the Industrial Revolution, it was to get mm -hmm. children into factories, um, you know, and, and now it's into the corporate world, you know, into small cubicles where they're not relating to anyone else. And so music has always been a, a, a tradition, a human tradition of bringing people together, whether it's a drumming circle around a fire 10,000 years ago, or today with a symphony orchestra, you know, it, it always brings people together and creates this amazing uh, uh, shared moment where we're all the same 
where mm -hmm. all differences melt away and we just become enveloped and immersed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's uh, uh, it's beautiful what you say, and it's it, it's a hundred percent what I feel as well. For me, uh, music and creativity is really this portal to um, uh, it's almost a sacred, holy thing where we uh, uh, start to understand things that don't make sense and a lot of life in life doesn't make sense like it's uh, life can be so cruel and weird and beautiful all at the same time but it's hard to um uh, put it into words and through uh, any art or through being uh, like engaging in creativity you open this pool to another uh, perspective another way of seeing life another way of um uh, it allows you to stop the noise it allows you to gain new perspectives that you didn't have before and even like when you say that people get molded into the corporate world I, I in with the mindful ukulele method i work with loads of people who um who, who never had the opportunity to learn an instrument uh, or who just never got around to it because life got in the way. Right. But uh, every single of them, when I start working with them and um, it, it's all about uh, um, raising their confidence that they can do it. And I, I just want to get them going to and engage in the creative act. And uh, it's all, it's always beautiful to see how people then uh, they just realize, okay, I can do that. Or, or everyone always told me I can't do that, or oh, I feel my body different. I, I'm, I'm getting into, I'm realizing my senses because we do lots of breathing work, or I also meditate with my students, and then we mm. uh, learn songs. And it's something so, uh, so um, close to so i always want to bring people back to basics uh, like you say it's uh, humans are in uh, we are creative by default be that in uh, uh, music dance business parenting whatever it's uh, right. what makes us human right yeah. and yeah it's, uh, it's it's beautiful to see and I, I, like uh, the past five years i also was working in a prison in southeast london where i worked with young offenders um i stopped doing that um uh, half a year ago but that was also a, a transforming space for me to uh, having been part of the music business for 15 years where there's a lot of bs you have to deal with it's a lot about yeah. marketing and it's just part of the game it's just it's not uh when you're a creative it's 10 percent of creating and 90 percent of trying to make it work somehow but when i was in there it was beautiful to see that uh, people from a totally uh different parts of society i mean i i was very fortunate in my bringing up i had uh, all the opportunities and then i meet someone who grew up in a council estate in london uh who had tough uh, childhoods and then somehow uh, ended up in prison but we could sit down and instantly had a common uh, thing we loved uh, that was uh, like the, the the power of music was for me like I really rediscovered it again I thought okay oh this is amazing we're, we're speaking I have a funny accent uh, but I can go in there and then they uh, we both can um, do something creative together and it just opened up uh, a whole new perspective for me and we learned so much from each other because those people are at the end of society no one wants them and in the real world those conversations don't happen so i found that like that really made me realize uh, about the power and, and uh, how creativity is one of the most important things uh, for us as a society as as people and yet, what we're seeing across the world is that arts education is underfunded continually, right? And the focus on academic learning is at the forefront. Um, 
I don't know if I, I mentioned or perhaps you you heard about it in in one of my other uh, podcast episodes, but um, my son was uh, he sadly passed away from brain. I, I heard that. Yeah, I'm really sorry. And um, and he was a, a Waldorf student. He was at Steiner schools, which I'm sure you're familiar with because yeah. <laughs> Austrian. Um, but uh, but it's you know the arts are the cornerstone of that education. And what I saw over the years that I was involved in as an educator and an administrator in Waldorf schools, um, and what I saw in my son, that it elevated them to a completely different, whether it was music or whether it was storytelling, theater, visual arts, painting, you know, all handwork, things like that um it, it's oh i'm gonna pause for just a second because somebody's at my door the hand over <laughs> yeah so um you know i i think there's there's a great lack in our time that i think people like you are instrumental in uh keeping the fires the sacred fires stoked are most of your students younger or teens um, i have a, a, a local business which is just in my local community um and i have a, a cohort small cohort some of them are uh, very young kids from eight to eleven um, that's mostly piano and guitar lessons. Uh, and for the mindful ukulele methods, it's mostly uh, adults. Then they, they live all over the world. It, the, this program is more for people who uh, who who are are a bit older and they want to get more mindfulness in their life. They want to reduce their stress levels and want to do it in a fun way, which is uh, my method. It's just a fun way of um, calming your mind by also learning an instrument. Um, but it, it's a big, big mix of people. Uh, locally, it's uh, rather younger people. And uh, online, it's uh, people who work a lot, mostly. <laughs> hey, are you like me, always looking for ways to make a positive impact in the world? Well then join me in sponsoring Desire Childcare Organization. We are a legally incorporated, fully volunteer-based organization in Uganda, committed to providing essential needs, holistic arts-based education, and a safe family environment to 33 vulnerable children, ages two to 14. Your monthly sponsorship can help improve the lives of these kids toward a better future. Desire Childcare is different from any other charity I know because, well, we have zero administrative overhead. Every penny goes to the kids. And we have a plan toward self-sufficiency through agriculture. So support is temporary. It's kind of like a, a leg up. Visit DesireChildCare.org to learn more and get involved. Let's empower and inspire the Desire Kids together. Thanks. Now I have to ask. I have to ask you, as somebody who was useless in in music growing up, um, and it's all tied to my experience in Austria. <laughs> I was. I must have been eight, seven, or eight years old, and I had a piano teacher, and her name was Madame Olga. Ooh. She was Russian. I'm already scared. Oh, I was so, so <laughs> scary. She had a big black bouffant hairdo. She had enormous shelf breasts and, and, and was always dressed in black down to the floor. And she had a long stick that she would wrap on like this. She would wrap on the piano to keep time. And if I was playing with uh, flat fingers, she would smack my knuckles oh, with her stick God. and say, That's bend your good. fingers, bend your fingers. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was I still remember this. Like I haven't thought of this. Vinny, I'm sorry to hear years. it. 
Yeah, but it's, so I feel like now I'm I'm in therapy with you because <laughs> because it was a, it was really traumatic. And one day, she broke her stick, threw it over her wig, and said, "That's it, you're fired." <laughs> she fired me from my own piano lessons, and That's and so crazy. I never went back to to music until I was about ten or eleven, uh -huh. and I started learning guitar. But I really didn't like it. My fingers were cramping up. I don't know if it was just sort of this mental, you know, physical body memory of the trauma of mm -hmm. a few years prior um, that, you know, and, and plus the, the tips of my fingers were bleeding. And I, I oh just God. not like that. I'm, I'm you know, I, I love softness. And uh, uh, I, I totally feel that so that sounds very dramatic and if I think about my little students it's so like uh, I, I love like I have so much fun and it's so pure if you uh, if you have, have a young person and they're discovering it and you give them the room yeah. I, I'm just there to steer them but um, for, for me like my philosophy or my own teaching method was always about making people do uh, anything rather than nothing and like we do loads of um, writing songs and kids are amazing at in coming up with weird little tunes and they love that and even for some some of them maybe if they're not that that talented uh, for me it doesn't matter because it's for them having music and creativity in their lives uh, like in contrast to the experience you have is a thing it's, it's, it's a tool for the rest of their lives and it's uh, it helps you in your communication it helps you to with relationships uh, it helps with so many things if you have a natural um way of en engaging in the arts and even like your question you you're asking if someone thinks that, okay i have not no talent at all that's uh, one reason of why i uh, chose the ukulele for this for my online business the ukulele mindful ukulele method is because the entry level is quite um uh how do you say that the threshold is quite low it's a cheap instrument and by the end of your first lesson you will play your first chord so it's it's good in building confidence um yeah. it's just an easy instrument to learn rather than uh, another instrument yeah no i've heard that <laughs> <laughs> and I've wanted to. You should get back to it. I, I, I've, ooh, and see, it's that should that creeps back in. <laughs> I, I, yeah, okay, yeah. You know, it's interesting. After I turned 40, I started singing because I tried singing too when I was a kid, but everybody told me to shut up. Everyone at home, you know, people did not encourage my singing. And I was at a piano bar with friends celebrating a birthday and everyone was going around and, and singing a song in tribute to our friend. And it came around to me. And of course I was like a transformer. <laughs> All the armor came up and I was like, no, 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 I don't sing. And they're like, come on, get over yourself. They pushed me up. And I can't even remember the song I sang. It was an outer body experience but I sang something and it was one of those pivotal turning point moments where the whole busy bar and restaurant became completely silent. Even the waiters stopped and listened. And, and then when I finished, it was like crickets. I mean, you could hear nothing. I didn't know if they loved it or hated it. Did I stun them with how horrible it was? And then the place <laughs> erupted and they all my friends were like pie-eyed saying, where did that come from? You always said you were in a singer. And I was like, well, I'm not. And they said, yes, you are. And you need to do this more often. We will come <laughs> hey, to come in and hear you sing. So uh, so I just started playing out and and, you know, I pulled together a little combo and I just started singing jazz mostly, you know. Cool. I can see uh, you see because you have a very calming voice when you speak. Oh, <laughs> very kind, and I and I I still you know um it, it was a it was a real turning point for me not only as I was heading into 
my autumn years, let's say, you know, um, I'm working on a project right now I'm, I'm calling education because we don't really learn throughout our lives how to age well. And I think that's an essential universal I love that. life skill. Good. Oh, yes. Uh, I'll send you a survey. Uh, in fact, I will, I'm interested I will in put it. the survey because I do like to reference books and other things we talk about, links in the uh, description. Um, and uh, and I'll, I'll put a link to that because I think that, that as we age, people don't tell us we're allowed to find a new facet of our being. It's they don't exactly, tell yeah. us that we're allowed mm -hmm. to find a new talent that we didn't realize we had, or that we were like, in my case, we were told we didn't have, but we actually had, I had a different teacher at age seven or eight. I might still be playing. I might be a virtuoso. Like, <laughs> right? but it, it's exactly that. Uh, allowing yourself to uh, uh, be like the, uh, this curiosity that we have uh, as kids is, it's so uh, important. And I mean, that's a beautiful story. And with, couple of my students I, I have similar moments because they've always been told no you can't do that you're uh, you're not good enough but once you get over that and uh, I mean it's also a bit of a thing of our culture with the perfect healthy culture or there's an app for every bloody thing in your life that you need oh, to organize man. and we don't allow ourselves to just explore in our own time step by step however long it takes and if it takes three years then it takes three years for someone else it might take two weeks but it doesn't matter because we're all on our individual journey and celebrating that is uh, so important and art allows us to do that um, it, it's, it's the most important thing about art to let uh, ourselves discover new facets uh, discover things um, yeah good story like that Greetings, greetings, greetings. I'm Queen B. Divine. The cure is conversation. And where can you find me? At bluntreflections.com, where I will be talking to guests from around the world that not only share their time, but their insights and their tips on how they became the best version of who they were meant to be. So if you're looking for a great story and a great time, check me out at bluntreflections.com. The cure is conversation. And remember, blase, blase means to tell your story. <laughs> I expect that you find that in, in your work with adults. Um, and I want to go deeper into that because I'm really fascinated uh, by your mindful ukulele method because I, I think that it can it can open somebody up to, you know, and they don't have to become a professional ukulele artist, but, <laughs> but just, you know, sit in your garden and pluck out a few notes to create those frequencies, to create those vibrations, not, not just for yourself, but anyone around you, even the plants and the animals around you are going to. Yeah, I love that. Beautiful. <laughs> right. I mean, one thing that I'm studying right now is telling you about, you know, quantum theory, quantum mechanics is entanglement theory, uh, which is proven actually to be factual, that you can affect a molecule in the center of a star on the other side of the universe with a frequency. Just because it's, it's all interconnected, you mean? It's all, yeah, it's, it's the illusion of division, that everything is actually connected. And so I, you know, this is through this journey, the last four years of, of this podcast, I have met so many people who I feel like I've known you forever. Why, where have you been all my life? <laughs> <laughs> and they feel the same. And we've stayed friends through this, you know, conversation, which I certainly hope we will. But it, it, it's, it's, um, it's been a really fascinating uh, exploration. And now at the age that I am, I'm I'm very intrigued with with picking up an instrument and healing that part of myself that that tape burning the, the old tape of Madame Olga in my head. Uh, Olga, it's a great name. <laughs> I need to write a children's book about. It. <laughs> uh, yeah, it would be a good comic. Yeah, I think it'd be brilliant. <laughs> I think it'd be brilliant. So so tell me about your work with with 
old geezers like me. <laughs> um, yeah, it's oops. Uh, it's literally like you you said. Um, uh, it's a lot about just making people comfortable and uh, showing them, hey, it's okay. We're now together here. This is a really cool thing. We're um, we're creating something together. Like I usually uh, always start my sessions with some breathing exercises. I meditate with my students just to align their uh, align our bodies with our minds. And that just gets you in a uh, in a space. I mean, for people who are uh, are new to mindfulness, it's baby steps. At the beginning, it's literally okay. We're gonna take five breaths together, and that's it. But uh, the longer um, someone learned, or my own mindfulness or meditation journey, uh, it's like uh, ten years or so, and I'm still learning. And I'm, it goes up and down. Sometimes I feel more uh, in it, and sometimes I feel more out of it. But it's it's just a skill. And if uh, I start to learn that with people, they slowly uh, build up their their confidence, and they they feel it feeds it helps them to jumpstart their inner curiosity. And um, so it's a lot about just creating a space, creating an environment where there's no judging. It's all about uh, exploring. And like I say, if it takes you two months to uh, do a simple thing, uh, whatever simple is, it doesn't matter because uh, it's all about the journey and showing up and making a conscious decision. Okay, I want to explore something. Okay, here's a dude that uh, that I'm, I'm connecting with. Uh, let's do this journey together. And we would just, I mean, I'm always learning from my students as much as they learn from me. Um, it's like it's a, giving and taking like uh, any mentorship right you always uh, get the same as you give and um, it's all about creating that space and creating new perspectives and uh, it helps people to stop all those voices the longer they do it it helps to stop the noise uh, and even if it's just for two minutes a day, two minutes of no noise is better than um, constant noise or constantly being plugged in. Or well, it's also nice, even if I do it uh, with the Mindful Ukulele Method uh, online, so it's uh, mostly on over Zoom. Uh -huh. And it's a digital thing, but there's still, like we now, we have a connection. We have a really nice chat with each other. Uh, our phones are somewhere else, and we are... Uh, plugging into each other uh, and alone that experience like for some of my students I have one student and he's a CEO, CEO for uh, a successful company he works 16 hours every day and once or twice a week we see each other and for him it's just this uh, checking out that somehow keeps him sane because he's just he has so much on his plate and it's um, the decisions he made led to that um but it's it's just a very pure way of uh, connecting and doing something fun together and uh then also learning a skill i imagine it's it's rather like um it's the way i see a bath you know we take a bath where we soak in a tub and it's really you know you're there to clean yourself but it's also inherently therapeutic Yes, beautiful. Thing, exactly. Right? Is, yeah. And so when you pick up, and I see your your ukulele behind you in the distance, <laughs> I hope you'll pick She's it up. Sleep. She's sleeping. Oh, she. Oh, she. Okay. I need to be quiet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I always put people to sleep. Um, <laughs> um, but but you know there there's that that quality of of calming the self and like you say drowning out all those noises which. To be honest, in our time, and you reference this, is all synthesized through electronics, um, which means it's dead. It's dead energy. There's no life in it whatsoever, and we are consumed with it. You know, whether you're doom scrolling on your mobile or you're online on your laptop or wherever, and you just get lost in, and time and space disappear. Mm -hmm with nothing to show for it 
Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I think that when you pick up an instrument or you start learning a new skill, right? This is a universal life skill. Music is a universal life skill. We started, we were singing to one another before we spoke to one another. Yeah, this yeah, okay. instrument in your voice box, in your throat, was mm -hmm. not, it's not built for singing or mm -hmm. for speaking. It's built mm -hmm. for singing, right? <laughs> we used to call across great distances. We mm -hmm. had to, be able to project our voices, a frequency mm -hmm. out there saying, yeah. hey, they're coming to kick our ass or hey, we're coming to kick your ass. Or Henry, practice your piano now. That's what I bend your finger. <laughs> I want to break your fingers. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you, you, you're totally right. And like that always made me think of something else um, uh, of another student. Uh, and she learned the ukulele. And then she told me when she was the first time, it was like a family occasion. And we, um, uh, we practiced happy birthday together for two months or so. And it was so meaningful for her to do that in front of her family. Mm. Uh, and it just it changed like it made her um, like all this effort because it's it, it's uh, sometimes it's hard to learn a new skill. But then when you can show it with your loved ones, or I did one uh, half a year. I uh, practiced with a guy who was uh, trying. Uh, he he eventually he played uh, a song on his, um, uh, when he uh, got engaged uh, with his wife. And it was just such a beautiful journey and uh, being a part of that was uh, was very meaningful to me as well, like a very uh, personal thing for someone else. And it's it's cool to be part of that. And then yeah. when he proposed, everything went wrong. <laughs> he <just> forgot <laughs> things, but it doesn't matter because he tried it and uh, he spent half a year just preparing for that. That's just beautiful. That moment for that moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I say this in almost every episode that every the moments matter. Oh right? yes. Every aspect of your biography and mine and our parents and their parents and their parents, all the way back to our first common ancestor, right? Has led us to this moment, to this conversation, to this meeting. That's important that's important to to cherish, yeah. cherish and, and and recognize the the value of the moment sponsorship and listener support of the lost traveler podcast benefits the lost travelers club a volunteer operated charitable foundation under united charitable a 501c3 public charity peregrine is the proper noun we now use to describe a parent who endures the loss of their beloved child, forever carrying their memory, and embarking on a lifelong journey of grief, resilience, and hope. The Lost Travelers Club provides programs, resources, and empowerment opportunities for peregrines globally who are navigating their grief journey. Parents of child loss, getting there together. You can support this important work by becoming a sponsor of this podcast or visiting www.losttravelers.club for more information or to make a donation. Thanks for listening and for your continued support. I think a lot of people, and this is over my many, many years as a theater artist, I'm also an international theater director. And that's why I'm in Europe because I'm I'm establishing a touring company, and um, and I think that that in all the years I've been not only acting but directing and mentoring, teaching, coaching, um, what I what I feel, and maybe you can you know reflect on this too, is that I think people feel trepidatious about performing in front of other people because it is our natural state, right? It's like standing naked on a, you know, on a stage, mm -hmm. you're vulnerable. You're vulnerable to attack. You're vulnerable to judgment. 
you're vulnerable to uh, uh, bullying or whatever, right? I mean, you when you are completely in your natural state, you are vulnerable. This is why humans started wearing clothing because they were vulnerable to the elements and vulnerable to animal attacks and so forth. So I think that music as frequency, right? Which we've been using, whether it's been drumming or whether it's been tapping on a stone or, or vocalizing since the beginning of humanity is our natural state and it makes us vulnerable. And then we feel fearful. We feel, we feel frightened uh, to perform mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. sense. And I would love to see people break through. That. Yeah, that's uh, 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 again for me. It's always about uh, because I uh, I have an academic background, so I studied um, composition on a on a on a really good university, and all the things that you get into like I hated music after that and it took me years to forget everything again because it's what? always about you uh, I cannot imagine you hating music ever I mean it's it, like maybe not hating that's maybe that's a strong word. word yeah uh but uh there's always this narrative okay oh this guy uh, did the most amazing thing and if you don't get there everything you do is shit uh, right. And we, right. we have that in, in our culture, like you always can just do things if it's perfect or if it's good. Um, and also like social media suggests that to us, that oh, this is how you go, how you have to look like. And if you look like this, yeah. oh, don't even bother. And you have to yourself. get 10,000 likes, right? People have to. Exactly. <laughs> and that's what I'm, I really try to get out of people's heads. So... Uh, like you said it's, it's our inherent state we have this creativity in us we um and we need to explore it every single person needs to uh i mean that sounds also a bit strong but i, I encourage everyone to <laughs> explore to just explore things whatever it is it can be sports um uh, anything but doing it without judgment and just going for it and uh you're always going to find something uh, you're going to find something out about yourself you're going to find something out about what it is that you're doing so it's and it gets you out of your comfort zone which is always a good place to grow and change things up um, and it's never yeah. too late it's never too late yeah it's never too late and it's never going to stop uh, until the moment you stop breathing uh, that's uh, like my my goal I always want to be slightly out of that uh, comfort zone because it means okay ooh, i'm alive oh i'm feeling the energy i'm feeling it buzzing i'm feeling the frequencies and we're all gonna stop breathing someday yes it's okay. do you do you think about that a lot at all um there's a reason i'm asking you this <laughs> yeah um I mean, obviously, uh, sometimes you think about that. Or my, my dad, he's not very well at the moment. and um, But still, there's always this other side, that uh, that energy. And I mean, I'm not a religious person, but I believe in uh, energy. And when we, after our short time on the planet, if we, uh, if our energy will transform into something else, so it's always uh, this this circle of energy, and um, that's what I always think when I think about uh, stopping breathing. It's just it will transform into something else, whatever that is. You know what I mean? I, I agree with you, and and you know this is after somebody who's you know been through a lot of loss and and very you know close to me. Um, it, it's I, I don't believe in death anymore. I don't think it's a thing. I think it's an illusion. It's a lie. And it's just a, a process of transformation uh, into something else. And it's up to us who are still breathing to figure out where that transformation happened, how it happened, and what. how do I maintain those connections? I really believe that we are capable of connecting, like, you know, I was talking about entanglement theory of you know, connecting with the, the heart of a star, 
on the other side of the universe. I yeah, love the thought of that. Poetic. <laughs> it's very. Shadow and Light LLC was established by Dave Roberts and Reverend Patty Farino, co-authors of When the Psychology Professor Met the Minister. Their mission is to empower individuals to transcend life's challenges by integrating spiritual practices with psychology to achieve peace. They are available for individualized spiritual counseling, virtual or in-person book club meetings, or presentations and workshops to universities, organizations, and other interested groups. For further information, visit psychologyprofessorandminister.com. The reason I bring this up, uh, what I've started doing in this season, is I've been asking my co-hosts to ask a question for the next co-host. And my last guest um, is a an end-of-life doula. She ushers people across the threshold, essentially, which I think is so beautiful. Um, and her question for you was, what do you want done with your body when you go and you stop breathing? <laughs> uh, didn't see that coming, this question. I know. I see. <laughs> and then you have to ask a question too. So I'm just playing yeah, together. That, We're almost uh -huh. done. Um, I probably, I want to be uh, turned into ashes and spread across uh, a mountain I have in my head uh, in Austria, around where I grew up. Quite clear back, answer, actually. back to the source yeah exactly. back to the source exactly <laughs> beautiful yeah we uh i just um i just posted uh, the episode with her and we were talking about how there are many many other ways of dealing with the remains uh the shell if you will uh let's mm -hmm. be left behind and it's becoming more and more popular to be ecologically conscious about it um you know there's water cremation there's composting there's you know they're That's all a beautiful thought i like that you know there's coming there... a tree or whatever. Yeah, i love that you know plant a seed in my belly and just let me you know uh -huh. get something else i love that kind of a thing so i think it's a great question that most yeah, people think of again there's you know there's a fear of being in our natural state and a vulnerability with that mm -hmm. so i'm hoping that and i think we've achieved some of that in this conversation yeah totally that we've that we've broken through uh for some of our listeners given permission because permission is a very powerful thing um and i do want to you know i do want to talk a little you know just for a few seconds about what you were saying about being a professional and the the stress that's put on uh, a musician, uh, an artist to be quote unquote perfect. There are very, very well-known stories of uh, performers, live performers who stopped giving concerts because the pressure was too great. You see a lot of people turning to, you know, drugs and, and, and self-destructive behaviors because yeah. especially if they started young, you see a lot of child stars going down that very dark road of self-destruction because the pressures to be perfect are too great and to be held to a standard that is unrealistic. Yeah, exactly. Right? Mm -hmm. Glad you brought that up because I think that's a very big part of the fear yeah. uh, mm -hmm. you know, of really engaging with, with what the potential is uh, mm -hmm. in, in music or any art. Yeah. You know? Very true. Uh, I can't believe it's already been an hour. I could talk oh, Jesus. Yeah, that's for so hours with you. Uh, and we will. We'll have you back for another session. I uh, think. Yeah, it would be lovely. Yeah. Be great to, to keep the conversation going. Um, and not to put you on the spot, but do you have something that pops into your head for the next co-host? Okay. That, that you would like to know? Mm -hmm. Where was the last time you ate a banana and what did you do afterwards when was the last time you ate a banana and what did you do afterwards i hope the person eats bananas 
Yeah, what if they don't eat bananas? Uh, we can. That's your answer. Um, any fruit. If no bananas, then when did you have your last fruits and what did you do afterwards? Interesting. So it's my initial question that pops up. Probably I should think of something deeper. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if you had asked me that question, yeah. say, I don't eat fruit. <laughs> I'm animal-based. And so... Okay, yeah. uh -huh. Uh -huh. So the last okay, time I ate a banana say, was probably seven years ago. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Then you have to think about what you did. That's right. You've done them. You got to remember. Um, Sense uh, memory. I have another question, maybe. Okay. When, uh, when was the last time you went out of your comfort zone, and how did you feel about that? Did it feel good or did it feel bad? Uh, and did it give you any insight into yourself? Beautiful. I love that. that. That will be a very telling response. I hope you'll you'll all tune in to hear the answer. <laughs> um, Vinny, this was such a joy and I feel like I've made a new friend. And yeah, likewise. Really nice hoping that, uh, that we will stay in touch and I will post a link uh, for your mindful ukulele method yeah, perfect. Anyone who would like to um, to jump in the pool, as it were, <laughs> and just play, just play, play, just play, play, man, <laughs> just play, man, just play, man. All right. Well, we'll talk again very soon. Thanks yeah. again for spending time. <laughs> You've been listening to season four of the Lost Traveler podcast with Henry Cameron Allen. Visit me online at henryallen.org. Thank you to my guests and thank you for tuning in. Let's keep striving for a better world together.